If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church, Crossroads financial support, West Austin, and mail to Crossroads about Crossroads Church, you can buy www.westauthopedia.com. Well, we're returning this morning in our study in the Gospel of Mark with chapter 7 and verses 31 through 37. This account is only recorded in the Gospel of Mark. All of the other Gospels, uh, the Gospel writers opted to leave it out. So let's pray and then we'll look at it together. Father, again, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would speak to us. That you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the message and put it in practice. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful for this uh, way that you have chosen to communicate to us. But without your spirit's help, it makes no sense to us. So we do ask, Lord, that your spirit would interpret your word to us this morning. And to all those who are uh, within the sound of my voice that they would hear your voice and see your face and experience your love and forgiveness. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 7, start at verse 31. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. May God's blessing be on his word. Now you may remember from last week, Jesus and the disciples were in the region of Tyre and Sidon, which are Gentile territories on the northwestern border of Galilee. Now, here in verse 31, the first verse that we read, we read that Jesus returned to the region of the Decapolis. This is on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus had cast out a legion of demons from the man who was chained up in the tombs. You may remember that. Well, what takes us only a sentence to read took Jesus, the scholars believe, about eight months to go through verse 31. So this is not a quick trip. And at first glance, this account of the healing of a man who was deaf and had a severe speech impediment um, as a result of his deafness, it seems kind of innocuous. A guy got healed. 
just a blip on the radar. Um, and then move on to the next thing, more interesting. 4,000 people get fed. And I admit, when I sat down to study for today and, and preparation for today, I thought to myself, okay, Lord, what's here? The, okay, a deaf man gets healed, which is great. But what, do we, what can we learn from it? What, what's in here that could possibly be of use to us? And the Lord impressed um, on me this simple thought. You think this account is no big deal? Imagine you were the deaf man. A pretty big deal to him. And I admit, perspective is something I often lack. Um, in truth, I, I have to imagine what it would like to be deaf. It's beyond my understanding what it's like. I don't... I don't Know what it's like to live in that condition. I can, however, relate to the speech impediment part. <laughs> so that's fun. But there's actually a lot more going on here besides any emotional response uh, to this man's sad condition. There's actually a lot of layers um, to this onion. Now, if you recall, um, I know I'm, uh, I'm asking a lot, but uh, to remember a sermon... Um, from Easter, if you remember on Easter Sunday, we talked about how the Bible is not just a collection of random stories about God um, and Jesus and a bunch of other people. Uh, it's not random at all. It's all one story, all one uh, meta narrative. You can impress your friends with that. Oh, if you considered the meta narrative of Scripture, they'll probably walk away from you, but. It might be worth it. Give it a try. This, the Bible is the, the one narrative account of God's reign and God's work of redemption in his creation. And this account here is part of that grand narrative of redemption. Listen to what Isaiah wrote in the, Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 through 6, hundreds of years before this Deaf man was born or was brought to Jesus. Isaiah records, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Of this brief but important account is, par is the partial fulfillment of that prophecy that Isaiah wrote hundreds of years previous. Isaiah was writing about Jesus unstopping the ears of the deaf and causing the tongue of the mute to sing for joy. And then here we see in Mark chapter 7, those things happening. So that's kind of the top layer of the onion, the meta-narrative layer. Um, it's a proof of Jesus is the promised Messiah. That it would eventually bring about the redemption of God's creation. I don't know if you typically think of things in those ways or not, but. If we peel back that layer, we can see 
The next layer is how the gospel works. Really, we see an example of the Holy Spirit's work in the gospel. Look at verse 32. And they brought to him, brought to Jesus, a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Now, here's a snapshot into how the gospel works. And they brought him, a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Now, who all is involved here? This man does not come to Jesus alone. He is brought to him. We have Jesus, we have the deaf man, and then we have the nameless they who begged Jesus to help their friend. This is a prominent way that the Holy Spirit affects the gospel in the world. The work of the gospel is brought on by people with a passion for their needy friends. We can share that same passion. We can bring our needy friends and our needy family and co-workers and neighbors to Jesus. Maybe we can't bring them physically. They might, we might have to drag them, I guess, kicking and screaming. But we can certainly bring them in prayer. We may not be able to bring them physically, but we can certainly bring them spiritually to the Lord in prayer. We can display the love of Christ to them in how we love them. We can introduce them to him by telling them who Jesus is and what he did for them. We can invite them to join us each week as we gather around God's word for study and worship. Even you could even just sharing a video of our service together is a small step that we can take to bring our friends to Jesus. The work of the gospel is brought on by people with a passion for their needy friends. So how does Jesus respond to their impassioned request to help their friend? Well, first, Jesus takes him aside privately. He doesn't make a spectacle of himself or of the man. Jesus wasn't seeking glory for himself in this moment. Matthew Henry wrote, Let us learn of Christ to be humble and to do good where no eye sees but his. Verse 33 says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and opened, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Now, this is a fun part. We come to the place where we cannot ignore the question, what is with the fingers and the ears and the tongue touching and spitting? What is all that about? There's got to be some hidden meaning down in there, right? Well, no. To this, I can only respond by quoting John Calvin. By touching his tongue with spittle, Jesus intended to point out that the faculty of speech was communicated by himself alone. 
And by putting his fingers into the ears, he showed that it belongs to his office to pierce the ears of the deaf. There is no necessity for having recourse to allegories. And we find that those who have amused themselves with ingenious discussions on the subject are so far from bringing forward anything of real value that they tend rather to hold up the scripture to ridicule. Readers of sobriety and judgment will be satisfied with this single instruction that we obtain from Christ in answer to our prayers, both speech and hearing, for he pours his energy into our tongues and pierces our ears with his fingers. So why did Jesus do this? Because. That's the answer. Instead of some secret meaning behind Jesus' actions, we can clearly see that Jesus was simply communicating to this man in a way that he could understand. We don't understand because we are not deaf. We are not mute. This man could not hear Jesus say, hey, come over here with me. He had to bring him to communicate to him in a way that he could understand. Put yourself in his shoes. You couldn't hear Jesus' instructions, and you, couldn't, you certainly couldn't uh, hear his words, but you could see his intentions. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and he looked up to heaven and sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. This man could see what Jesus was doing. He could feel it. He could observe Jesus' deep sigh of compassion with his face toward heaven. And he could read his lips when he said the word, Ephatha, look at me, Ephatha. You can't tell what that word is, even if you don't know what it means. Ephatha is an Aramaic word, it's not Greek. And it's wonderfully preserved here, I think, for us to get this point. Ephatha, an Aramaic word that means be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. These passionate friends could not help but tell people what Jesus had done for their friend, no matter how adamant Jesus was, that they keep it to themselves. Jesus charged them to tell no one so that he could still move about the countryside without being mobbed with throngs of people seeking miracles and signs and wonders and healing. But they zealously proclaimed what he had done all the more. So what is it that we can learn from this account? Well, first and foremost, we can learn that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the one who was to come into the world and make peace between God and man. He is the only source of salvation. He is the only way to God the Father. We can also learn that we should as a people, passionately and persistently bring our friends to Jesus. 
earnestly pleading with him in prayer to save them and to help them. We can learn to do our work humbly as Jesus did, to do good where no eye sees but God's, and to communicate the gospel in language that people can understand and they can see. I'll close with the words of Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. They, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's the promise of salvation the promise of everlasting life in God's eternal kingdom that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to Jesus to open the eyes of the blind and open the ears of the deaf to loose the tongue of the mute so they may sing for joy. And Lord, though many of us uh, don't understand what it means to be deaf and regain your hearing or mute and regain your voice, but we do know what it's like to not be able to hear your voice and to not be able to sing your praises. And it's only by the work of your Holy Spirit that we're able to see who you really are, to hear your voice speak to us in our hearts and to sing your praises, to sing authentically from our heart to the one who has given us life, eternal life. Father, I pray that if there's anyone who does not know the freedom from blindness and deafness and muteness. The freedom from the shackles of sin. I pray, Father, they would turn to you in faith. 
simply ask for your forgiveness and submit their life to you. May you fill them with the Holy Spirit and make them a new creation. Lord, help us that know you to persistently and passionately bring our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers to you. Help us to remember to bring them to you in prayer. Help us to remember to bring them to you in all the ways that we can to share the truth of what you have done, of who you are, to share our own story of your salvation and how you unstopped our ears and let loose our tongues. Father, I pray that we would have tongues that are loosed to sing for joy, sing your praises, to share the good news with those around us. Father, again, I pray for our nation and for all the anger that is being felt and exercised and stirred up. I pray for peace. I pray for love and for grace. Lord, protect, protect our nation from violence, from division and from hatred and discord. May your gospel ring out instead of cries of hatred and violence. May justice roll like the streams. We love you, Father. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.